All right, everybody, welcome to episode 48 of Talking Taker, our encyclopedic exploration, digging up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of all time. My name is Alex Dorio. I am one of your co-hosts, one of the creatures of the night, and I am joined, as always, by my tag team partner, and we're talking about tag teams today, so of course that's very relevant, my fellow creature of the night, Travis White, and Travis, we're sitting here, we're talking about Fully Loaded in Your House, July 1998, but as I was watching this, man, I couldn't tell if I was watching this Fully Loaded show or if I was watching CNN coverage, because all I kept hearing about was evidence of collusion during this show, man. I didn't know what was happening. <laughs> Classic collusion and cahoots, and that's Conspiracy the word. theories? Yeah, a lot of stuff, man. Yeah, pushing the envelope back here in 1998. You're right, it does sound like a CNN or Fox News episode, so, yeah. This is our first tag match, right? Full, full like, two-on-two tag match we're covering here on Talking Taker? Yeah, yeah, we've covered, of course, the Undertaker's uh, couple of series at Survivor Series, but yeah, it's a full-on tag team match, and for the tag team titles, it's going to be Undertaker's yeah. first ever tag team title win, too. Pretty cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool, so... Uh, speaking of tag team, I have a tag team partner, uh, not not to replace you, but I have one called Flonaze. Oh, that's so, nice. So, um, yeah, I've added that one to my repertoire. So hopefully, I will be less sniffly for those of you fans out there who've had to endure my sniffles for the last several episodes. I do apologize, and I pray <laughs> that it's over with. Sorry, you got some PEDs. You're, you're gonna be good to go <laughs> for today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Podcast exactly. enhancing drugs. Um, oh yeah. 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 I'm straight edge, other than that. <laughs> well, you know, so. we, we don't know if The Undertaker's on PEDs or not. Uh, hopefully not, but he did come out of his, you know, I, I don't want to call it retirement, semi-retirement, whatever kind of state he's in. He did perform this past weekend. Before we get into talking about this show from 20 years ago, 20 years ago this month, The Undertaker performed at Madison Square Garden this past weekend in a six-man tag Picking up the victory with Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman against Kevin Owens. And I forgot who else. It <laughs> doesn't <laughs> matter. <laughs> the only person he had any interaction with was Kevin Owens. So, yeah. uh, did you see any of that footage online? Yeah, I did, man. I saw him give the old Tombstone KO and uh, put him down with the old Undertaker pin and flip the hair back. And it looked like it was actually his hair, not, yeah. uh, <laughs> not extensions like WrestleMania. So, I guess he's growing it back out, but... Yeah, he did good about you know, 60 seconds of action. He looked good doing it, I thought. You know, uh, came in there hard. Uh, Kevin Owens sold for him real well. You know, just, just a lot of people complaining online saying you know, he just needs to hang it up. He's People were tweeting at us yeah. when I tweeted out the footage saying he's taking up somebody's spot, which, I mean, look, you know, we talked look. about this on the WrestleMania episode. We talked about it on the Greatest Royal Rumble when we talked about that, whatever episode that was a few months ago. You know, Undertaker's given so much to this business. He's put so many people over. He's contributed so much. If he wants to come out and do a do a six man tag at a house show, or if he wants to come do a pay per view match for five minutes, if he wants to do it and he clearly wants to, then you know, by God, let him do it, man. He's having fun out there, and everyone enjoyed it. I guarantee you, everyone in the ring had a blast being out there with him. So, oh you know, yeah, more power to him, man. Let him do it as long as he wants to do it. Yeah, he's earned he's earned the right out of anybody else to have this spot. You know, 
he's not Brock Lesnaring it. He's not coming. He's not like you know if Steve Austin came back for a match all of a sudden. It's not like that. You know, it's this dude's still been there the whole time. He may wrestle once a year, but he's still been there the entire time. So he earns it. He he earns it. <laughs> I'm saying he continuously <laughs> earns it. Yeah, he's earned it, and he continuously earns his spot. Yeah. <laughs> And with the urn. Yeah, that's what I was going for. That's the pun I was going for. Oh, I know, yeah. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) just make sure. I wanted to do something, Travis, that we've done the past couple episodes where we've covered July pay-per-view. Just so happens that, you know, we kind of talked about the state of the business the past two times we covered July when we talked about International Incident and we talked about Canadian Stampede. We talked about where WWF was against WCW. So I thought, you know, let's keep that going as we hit this uh, July 1998 pay-per-view because I think, again, it tells an interesting story as we look at where we are in the wrestling industry because you know, in July 98, man, going back and watching these Raws and then you know looking at Nitro at that time too, I think both companies, WWF and WCW, were really at the height of their powers uh, at this time. You know, and it was really, it really felt like a war between these two companies at this time. You know, when WCW had been on top for 83 weeks and just dominating the competition, it wasn't really much of a war. And then, you know, after this, for a long time, it's not going to be much of a war anymore after this. But this right. is kind of the middle of 98 when WWF first gets a ratings win after a long, long time. And then they're trading them back and forth. We've got King of the Ring 98 with Undertaker and Mankind. We're going to talk about here in a minute Goldberg coming strong and winning the title of the Georgia Dome. You know, WWF's doing all this stuff with DX and The Nation and, and Stone Cold being on top. I mean, it's just a crazy, crazy time with these two companies against each other. And if you look at the two pay-per-views from July 98, you've got this one, fully loaded 98, that we're going to cover with a tag team match on top with Undertaker and Stone Cold against Mankind and Kane, which is, you know, we'll talk about it. It's a a good match, but it's not the most memorable match that we're going to cover or anything like that. It's nothing special, really. Right. But then WCW's out here throwing out... DDP and Carl Malone against Dennis Rodman <laughs> and Hulk Hogan in one of their biggest shows, biggest moments of all time. It's for a moment it looks like, man, WCW, maybe they've got the momentum here again. Yeah, it really does, man. Especially and as we you talked about, you know, just six days before that was, um, you know, Goldberg's big win over Hogan, and we'll, we'll mention that more specifically in a minute here, but um. Yeah, you're right, man. Like it's almost like a football game. You watch a good football game. You know, you got if if one team just runs away with it, it's not that great, entertaining. One team, you know, well, yeah, it's like that. Like I said, WCW versus WWF. You know, but it's really competitive when they're really at the gridiron, getting back and forth. You know, they're trading matches or they're trading wins back and forth, back and forth. They're trading. You know, the score's going up, the score's going up. Their matches score. They're a great football game. That's when people get into a good sports game. Whatever it is, football, football, cricket, squash, <laughs> polo. Polio, no, not polio, sorry, polo, water polo, lacrosse, whatever. When you get that, when you get that back and forth, that's the good stuff, man. And so, yeah, you're right. Right here, everyone is swinging for the fences. It's weird that there's a tag match on the headline of both these I get, yeah, yeah. It's so weird. But, like, you know, WWF uses their own star power, whereas WCW uses mainstream star power with the mailman, Carmelone. And old Rodzilla himself, which you had the figure, the action figure of. I did. I had, I had the Dennis Rodman figure that... <laughs> you know, we went we went to Walmart together, and I saw it, and I, I was you, you, I, I grabbed it off the shelf really quick. It was the last one, and 
you asked if I you asked me if you could hold it and look at it, and I wouldn't let you do it because I was afraid <laughs> you were going to steal it and purchase it, man. Was, I really wanted that Robin yeah. figure. <laughs> There's no way I was going to steal that figure. Oh, you had I just your eyes on it, man. No way. No you way. had lust in your eyes for that Robin <laughs> figure, brother. Exactly. <laughs> See, the war was so deep, even between best friends, you know, it almost came between us there over a daggum figure. So that is uh, uh, that was an excellent point that you just made, though. That WWF is running with their star power on top. You've got four yeah. guys that are huge megastars, that are icons, that are still some of the biggest stars in the history of the business right now. And they were able to build on that. Even if at this moment, you know, WCW using mainstream star power may have got the win here this month, the fact that WWF was building towards the future with these guys, that's what's going right. to seal the deal and carry them to being this global iconic company here still 20 years later so that, that's a great point that you bring up and really the turning point in this water lacrosse matchup that we're watching <laughs> yeah not not water polio water polo. yeah that's that's another conversation for another day but oh man anyways what's up <laughs> i got nothing to recover from that from but anyway let's just move on into raw um this is the build up again to fully loaded in your house um and it it's it's basically a fully loaded episode of monday night raw we'll, oh, it we'll sure break is. it down once we once we get to it but um yeah it's just two weeks after what's arguably the biggest pay-per-view in wcw's career depending on if you look at starcade 97 or bash of the beach 98 whichever one but again raw 266 is the night after uh kane won the championship in that first blood match that we covered um what we mentioned you know last week on the talking taker so Vince opens the show. Really cool opening scene here with the the, um, the belt inside of a glass case, and he's going to uh, present it to Kane here. But it's weird having Vincent Mann come out in all these episodes with no music, man. Yeah, we're like, still rest- six or seven months away from him yeah. getting a theme song. So, yeah, yeah. it's kind of funny to go back and watch that without his yeah. <laughs> iconic theme song. Yeah, it's so weird. But it's cool because like, Kane and Paul Bear come out, of course, and Bear says now for the first time, Undertaker standing in the shadow of his little brother, which, like, man, what is, what a quick rise to the top for this Kane character. You know, it's been what seven, eight months, yeah, since he's yeah. debuted. You know, and he's on top here. I mean, other guys that you know really debut like Kurt Angle or Brock Lesnar, or you know, their actual first time. Kane, Glenn Jacobs has been the company for a while, but the character of Kane really shot to the top pretty quickly. You know, and that's just really good for him. You know, so. It's one of the fastest rises we've ever seen, and again, just goes to the power of The Undertaker, that he was able to spin yeah. off this character, and he's been able to come so strong, and Undertaker helped, you know, Undertaker has beaten him both times, but he's given him enough of a rub that he is still so over in this role, and of course, credit to, to Glenn Jacobs, too, for, you know, he's pulling his weight, sure. too, if he sucked in his role he would have been gone after WrestleMania, no doubt about it. But again, Undertaker gave right. him such a huge rub that he's here as the world champion for 24 hours. <laughs> Just <laughs> hey. slightly shorter than Undertaker's first raid. Yeah, exactly. I, I never thought about that. They both had the title for just a cup of coffee. Yeah. So that's funny to think about. So, but yeah, this, you know, this um, segment, basically Austin crashes the party and uh, says Kane didn't win it. Taker won it for him. And uh, he's kind of Austin's great here. He's playing mind games. He's goading Kane to a rematch, basically saying that you know you don't know if you can beat me fair and square. You know since Taker won it for you, so Kane agrees to the match. And Vince is 
so mad in the ring. He's Vince is the greatest heel, man. He's so uh, awesome. Yeah, no question. He's amazing. He's amazing. So, um, yeah, so we're going to get a rematch here on, tonight. So this is where Kane's title win will come to an end. This yeah. Night of Raw. Isn't it weird that we're going to see the WWF title change hands on Raw, and then a week later we're going to see the WCW yeah. <laughs> title change again, back and forth, these two companies. Yeah. And Eric Bischoff would probably say, no, no, we weren't paying attention. We had all this planned in advance. We knew we were going to do that. But it's just, <laughs> yeah. that's hard for me to believe, man. It's hard for me oh, to believe sure. when it's just such back and forth that they weren't playing into each other and playing off of each other in these days, dude. But uh, oh, anyway, yeah. that's a sidetrack. Uh, we are going to see The Undertaker. He's going to play a part in this. Uh, he's going to cut a promo in the middle of the show after you know, last night where he dominated mankind in the Hell in a Cell match, but also <laughs> squashed, <him. laughs> just totally squashed him, <laughs> nearly murdered him. But he's going to, uh, you know, he also played a role in the finish of the main event. And Michael right. Cole is interviewing him saying that, you know, many people here think you owe them an explanation as to why you interfered in the match last night. And Undertaker gives his reasoning saying, I don't owe anybody anything. Uh, there's obviously no love lost between me and Kane. But I was not going to sit back and watch my little brother set himself on fire because he wants to live up to the legend of The Undertaker. So I did what I did. Basically saying that, you know, he... Again, it, you're, you've brought it up a lot. There's this family bond, obviously, between Undertaker and Kane, kind of like Thor and Loki. You know, one yeah. may be evil and one may be good, but they're still brothers. Exactly. <laughs> Kane had a suicide stipulation in this last <laughs> match, and Undertaker was not going to let him sit by and kill himself. Exactly. <laughs> so he did what he had to do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> which brings out Vince McMahon uh, because uh, he's he, he doesn't buy any of this. He thinks right, he, and that's going to be the story this month is that he thinks there's something deeper going on between Kane and Undertaker. They are colluding with each other. Uh, they are trying to manipulate things and come into power. And he has a great quote here. singularly the most vile, contemptible, and evil individual that the devil ever placed on this earth. Which, <laughs> not getting wow. any corners there. <laughs> yeah. Not pulling any that's... punches. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, that's a pretty vile uh, thing to say to someone. So, um, And then... And then he comes up next and he says, let me warn you that hell hath no fury what you will find if you interfere in the championship match tonight. And I really thought it was a missed opportunity to say, hell hath no pizza, so you don't want to go there. Right. Like, I mean, that's the like, phrase everyone knows, of course. Right. Because as we know from a few weeks ago, Jerry Lawler says, you know what they say. You know, and then he repeats that <laughs> statement. So I really thought. But yeah, in all seriousness, like. They're really bringing this evil, devil, demonic stuff. They keep bringing it up these last couple months, and it's going to get even pushed harder. And, and to, in my opinion, it's just I don't know if they knew where they're going with the ministry thing or not because it's Russo. So whatever happens this week, we'll figure it out next week. So, I mean, who knows? But they're really putting that demonic – he's always had that man from the dark side. But they're really putting that evil – really, they bring the word evil up a lot um, in, in this whole buildup and in and, and episodes to come. So – a lot of stuff. So, so that's going to lead to the main event of Kane and Stone Cold. It's a huge segment. I think at the time it was the highest rated match of all time. I think there briefly. It's going to be broken by The Undertaker here in about a year uh, on television. But 
Uh, this, no, it's, it isn't was, it also broken by the Stooges versus the APA? That isn't is, that that's one of the highest ones. Yeah, but yeah, te- technically the highest rated match is Undertaker and Stone Cold for the title about a year later after okay. this. But yeah, the Stooges one is is one of the top ones too, which <laughs> yeah, is hilarious. So, but, uh, so weird. <laughs> uh, it's a really hot match. It's a really good TV match with Stone Cold and Kane. Uh, Undertaker comes out during the match, teasing, interfering, but he just stands and watches as as Stone Cold wins at Fair and Square with a stunner in the ring. Yeah. Uh, Paul Bearer walks around and gets uh, distracted. By Austin. Austin gives Undertaker a stunner in the ring, and, and JR calls it payback from last night. Uh, so Austin walks away while the Brothers of Destruction are just laying in the ring, and then they both sit up simultaneously, sort of stare down Austin, stare down each other, and Austin flips him the bird while the two brothers fight with each other as the show goes off the air. So that's kind of going to be these like i said this is setting up the next month and really the next few months of tv yeah. right here is going to center around these three guys with mankind playing a peripheral role and, and Vincent man playing a big role as well in this storyline oh yeah absolutely and just seeing them sit up uh at the same time well almost the same time is this like nowadays we're taking for granted that's what they do as the brothers instruction i forgot it happened here man mm. like this was it's just really cool to see that because again it'll become an iconic thing kind of later on as their you know tag team and partners and stuff like that. But I just thought it was really neat little you know little foreshadowing to what's to come. Of course, they had no way of knowing that, but anyway. <laughs> of course. But, <laughs> well, uh, man, so. you had no idea what you were getting in for this next week because uh, back in the day you didn't get to watch this next episode of Raw Live. Uh, <sighs> How come? I didn't. How come? Well, yeah, this is Raw 267 on July 6, 98. I did not get to see this. I had to set a VCR. I had some prior obligations. So I had to watch it when I got home or the next day because I was a little bit busy. I was actually in Atlanta this night. And I was one of the 40,000 people with George Bell watching Goldberg beat not only Scott Hall, but beat Hulk Hogan in the main event to win the WCW World Championship and to a, a massive ovation. I was one of the, the like I said, one of the, the few of the proud standing there. Uh, actually, the, the, <laughs> yeah, whatever, the, the millions watching around the world, whatever, I was one of them there. I actually fell out of my seat and had a, and bought my leg on the, or my chair on the, my leg on the chair, excuse me, and I uh, had a huge bruise, like the size of Canada on my leg. I'll never forget because I was so excited I fell on my chair <laughs> when he won. So, um, man, yeah, I was a little busy this night. So, um, what a what a what a memory, man! Twenty years ago, it was awesome. Do you? Where were you sitting? You remember anything like that? Oh, my nose was bleeding. We were so high. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could, if I saw if I watched this episode of Nitro, I could point where we were. But we weren't on the uh, camera side. We weren't going to be on TV. But we were up on the top section, but not all the way up. But you know, the front the front of the top section. So, but yeah, me and, and two of our friends from school and. Um, yeah, we went. Uh, they, they, her dad just kind of got tickets, and we got to go. So, was that was the awesome. first wrestling show you'd ever been to? Absolutely, it was. Wow, how about that, <laughs> man? How about that? How about? It? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. So, how about it for sure? It was incredible. I'll never forget that day. So, well, I've always, awesome. I've always been super jealous of you for being able to go to that, man. That, that's an iconic moment. Uh, once in a lifetime there and just 
Yeah, uh, again, it just goes back to what we were talking about here earlier, uh, the war between these two companies yeah. and just being at the height of their powers. I mean, this is, Goldberg was every bit as hot as Stone Cold Steve Austin. As far oh, as yeah. where we were in the South, in Georgia, man, in WCW country, and, and, you know, as far as I know, you know, worldwide, too, Goldberg was right up there, man, with Stone Cold. And, yeah. Uh, he would see, at least I remember seeing Goldberg merch as much as I saw Stone Cold merch. Uh, yep. It was... It was crazy, man. I was always, I always liked Stone Cold more than Goldberg, but man, there were people who were huge Goldberg loyalists, man. Take Goldberg over Stone Cold any day of the week. Then so. that was me, because I was a George Bulldogs fan. Mm -hmm. I still am, and he was a fan of George Bulldogs, and again, yeah, from from Georgia and stuff. So yeah, I was a Goldberg over Austin guy. Now, I mean, obviously, I saw the light a few years later, but um, you know, but just you know, nothing really beats that when you're a 12 year old kid, man. Especially being there, I think being there, really took me to a new level for my Goldberg fandom. So it was awesome. But um, yeah, I didn't get to see this episode of Raw. I had to watch it later on when I got back. But I did set a tape for it. I taped Nitro and Raw that night. Oh, of course. VCR, yeah, so, I always yeah. did that, man. Two yeah. VCRs. Anyway, uh, this Raw has... We're not talking Goldberg. We're not gabbing about Goldberg. We're uh, talking Taker. <laughs> so uh, uh, Undertaker kicks off this episode of Raw with Pyro going off behind him and J.R. Yeah. King talking about how... You know, Undertaker's not scheduled here for tonight, but Undertaker gets straight to the point and says, Austin, I want a title shot, and I want it right now. So Undertaker demands to get a match with Austin. We cut to the back with, you know, trusted investigative journalist Michael Cole doing some great oh work my. backstage, just <laughs> knocking on doors saying, uh, Stone Cold, uh, Stone Cold. <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah. so no one's ever there. <laughs> finally Austin comes out like the last one just blows past him like you yes, know he's for exactly. shoot like annoyed by him like he's like I'm, I'm going to ring talk about this he's like, I'm not talking to you so so stupid but I want to mention that like you said Undertaker has this new pyro for his like entrance and um he just man when he comes out here he comes out with a purpose man he's so intense he does this yeah. whole build this whole these whole four weeks and then getting in this match we're gonna have this you know fully loaded match he's so intense this whole thing um, I just, I really like it. But yeah, man, investigative journalist Michael Cole gets nowhere. No. And uh, Austin finally comes out and uh, Mr. McMahon, excuse me, I, I like to call him Vince. I don't like to call him Mr. McMahon. Vince comes out and he interrupts and he's like, uh, Undertaker, who named you No More Contender? Which, <laughs> I, I agree. <laughs> we, who named We've been trying to figure that out for six months, man. Who's naming these people Number One Contender? Vince yeah. doesn't know either. Because Sergeant Slaughter hasn't been doing it, so... Um, yeah, so he Vince tells Austin that he defends a title on Vince's time, not on his own, and mm. says you can get in the ring together at the next pay-per-view and you guys can get it on, uh, but it's going to be in a tag match. You're going to fight Kane and Mankind, and um, later tonight I'll name the number one contender for the WWF title. And then he flips off Steve Austin, so <laughs> salutes him, they say on commentary. So You know, and it's just it kind of – it's just kind of a dud of an announcement, man. Like I've, yeah. It's always kind of a bummer to me when, look, I, and, and I understand, you know, you can oversaturate things with the title not always being defended, but it's, it's always a tough sell when the you're not going to have a championship match on a pay per view uh, and try to do it with a tag team match. You got to have pretty big star power, and they do. You know, it, it's going to be a star studded match, but it's it's, it's always a hard sell when you're putting a tag match as a main event of a pay-per-view instead of a world title match. So uh, we'll get into that as as we go along here. But uh, Vince makes a great point here in this promo, too. He says, 
you know, talking to Undertaker, demanding this title shot, he says, what is wrong with this picture? The inmates are attempting to run the asylum. And yeah. that's going to play a big part in this buildup, too, and in the weeks to come, is that the, the wrestlers are trying to wrestle the power away from Vincent Mann and trying to take over. Yeah, which leads right into the next thing that happens there on Raw is that uh, D'Lo beats Terry Funk. Um, so D'Lo Brown defeated <laughs> Terry Funk. I just, just let's reiterate that. That really happened on Monday Night Raw. Oh, yeah. Wow. The former ECW heavyweight champion, Terry Funk. The um, hardcore legend. <laughs> yeah. D'Lo beats him, and then Decker comes out and chokeslams the Godfather. And D'Lo, and then just Terry Funk again yep. to, to, to uh, give him the sequel from Hell in a Cell. Undertaker chokes out his funk, but I don't think he keeps his shoes on this time. But, he um, does, yeah. But he, Undertaker gets a mixed reaction when he comes out at this yeah. point, um, which I, you know, he's been a face since, what, February of 92? So um, six and a half years Yeah. yeah. Uh, here. So about time he's you know, showing a little tweener tendency here. So, yeah, get a mixed reaction, and commentary is telling this really good story about Taker's consumed by evil, and he's has no much, no more kindness left inside, and he's obsessed with becoming a champion. So, kind of what we've seen the last, I guess, last year or two, maybe or a year before that, I can't remember. But um, yeah, he's obsessed with becoming the champion now. So um, that leads us to our Vincent Man number one contender roundtable, I guess you call it. <laughs> he brings out Mankind, Undertaker, and Kane. He puts them all over, all their credentials and all this stuff, and says that they are going to have a triple threat match in the main event tonight to become the number one contender. Uh, winner of that is going to become number one contender. Uh, so that's the big angle going in here. Of course, as you mentioned, it's also the night where DX dressed up as the nation. Uh, and it's, you know, of course, everyone's seen that segment a million times. It has nothing to do with The Undertaker, but it's, it's classic. It's, you know, it's a little different. A little bit dated today. The uh, the blackface in there maybe doesn't hold up quite oh, as well. Yeah. But uh, it just it it's it's still hilarious. You know, it, it, it's still an important moment because it's kind of a point where you, know, you just didn't see comedy like this uh, in in such a huge spot on a show. Uh, in right. These days. And that's that was a big hallmark of the Attitude Era was comedy becoming a bigger part of it. And we don't see too much of that from The Undertaker, but it does become a much bigger part of the shows uh, as we go forward. Oh, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's just, I can't put over Road Dog enough in that segment. It's just good stuff. I love him. He's awesome. But yeah, for sure. so uh, for the main event here on this episode of, of, of Raw is, is Paul Bear comes out with Vince McMahon um, before the match, which... In hindsight, you should look back and be like, oh, well, that makes sense. Yeah, but um, he kind of comes out. Yeah, something's going on. But um, he comes out, and then Austin and McMahon are on commentary, which I wish they were on commentary every week. Oh, all the time, I, man. I Vince, love Stone Cold, JR, and King. That is my new <laughs> dream commentary team. <laughs> it's so good. I love them, man. They're so great. And um, so Mankind comes out first, and then Kane comes out. And again, it's supposed to be a triple threat. Undertaker is nowhere to be seen. His music plays multiple times. He's nowhere to be seen. And uh, Vince McMahon <laughs> makes Tony Chimmel announce that. Ladies and gentlemen, due to the fact that The Undertaker is not here because he is chick- chicken. Which I just thought, what? Wow. I didn't remember that at all. So, well, I yeah. remembered this as soon as Kane, quote unquote, 
walked out to the ring. And I don't know about you, you know, like he, he <laughs> I didn't know it back in the day, but going back and watching it now, that was clear. It's clearly not Kane. Uh, it walks a little bit different, carries himself a little bit different. Yeah. Of course, it's going to be revealed that it's actually Undertaker dressed up as Kane, which was it's a heck of an angle, a heck of a surprise. Sure. Going back in hindsight, you can kind of tell it's not actually Kane. Bodies are st- a little bit different, and he carries himself a little yeah. bit differently. And, and maybe it's just because we've watched so many Undertaker matches lately; it's a lot easier to tell. But it, you know, it's <laughs> could be he's covered up in full body suit. He's got the mask on and hair. It's a great surprise. Um, well, Vince McMahon also announces that this match is going to be. No holds barred and falls count anywhere. Uh, Mankind is freaking out. He goes and refuses to get into the ring. And uh, he's, st- I mean, he's still, this is just, I believe this was taped two, two days. Yeah. I don't know, this is two days after oh. Hell in a Cell. Got, they taped Raw. Yeah, that's right. Two nights in a row back then. So this is just two nights after Hell in a Cell. And he's, I mean, Mick Foley is selling this Hell in a Cell this whole month. And, and even going into SummerSlam, he still does not look right. Uh, his, no. his arm is basically just dangling off of his body in, in all of these matches. Man. <laughs> yeah. And it's not, I don't think he's selling it. Dude. I think it's just legitimately, oh. his arm is not attached to his yes. shoulder. <laughs> oh, if this, were, if this were 20 years later, he wouldn't have been on the show for two months, you know? I mean, this be he would not be allowed to be on this TV show. No, but, um, nor should he have been. I mean, uh, no, he should not have been in hindsight, but uh, yeah, he is. His arm is just dangling. But yeah, he said he didn't want to fight. I've given enough. I won't give any more, and I will not, under any circumstances, fight my friend Kane. So, of course, Vince is pushing you know Kane to to attack him, and I think uh, is this where Kane grabs a chair and just bangs Mankind's head with it. Uh, Mankind's kind of sitting against the ring steps, and so Kane blasts the chair again. Kane in quotation marks blasts the chair across him and drags him in the ring and covers him with the. Undertaker pin, so should have tipped us off right there. Stone Cold is going crazy because Kane won, and like you said, Kane stands up, tears off the mask, facing the hard cam. Thank you, production values. (laughs) And it's the Undertaker. So, but that's, I mean, Raw just goes off, boom. I think Stone Cold takes his headphones off, right? Yeah, he rips his headphones off. Yeah. uh, Gets a great pop from the crowd. It's a great angle. It really is. Yeah. Uh, So, Undertaker is going to be the number one contender for the WWF Championship. He's going to be facing Stone Cold for the title, and Stone Cold is going to have to team up with The Undertaker as well. Yep. So that's the story here. I like to spitball here and say that I think that they um, got this idea from Ciclope and Chris Jericho. (laughs) You know, again, (laughs) Dean Malenko. Yep, they're they're playing off of each other here. Oh, just kidding, but I'll never forget that one, actually. Oh, for sure. Yeah, so... Uh, (laughs) I, I wouldn't put it past him to steal that. I yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the right. next week, uh, we get kind of a surprise when Shawn Michaels yeah. returns to start off the show. First time we've seen him since WrestleMania 14, and he's going to do commentary his, all night. His little Dutch boy haircut. He does? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> he looks terrible. <laughs> he looks terrible, but he does a great job on commentary. Oh, yeah. He, he's awesome, man. He puts over Undertaker a huge. Undertaker yes. kicks off the show with a matchup against Vader. Uh, rest in peace to the big man. Uh, he faces Undertaker. Gets a lot in on Undertaker, but it's it's basically a squash match. Undertaker yeah. and defeats Vader, of course. Yeah, and I don't know if you noticed this watching this, but this was almost the last night we ever saw Undertaker, in my opinion, because during his entrance, 
He goes to raise the lights, you know, raise his arms up and lights, and as he does, one of Kane's ring post pyro goes off in his face. It's just one, so whoever is pushing the button missed time, and they blew, <laughs> blew Kane's pyro in his face. I mean, he moves ever so slightly out of the way, but he doesn't flinch. He doesn't break character. Like, we keep putting him over like, what a freaking professional, but I encourage you guys listening, go back and watch this. This is episode of Raw 268, uh, June 13th, it's or July 13th, excuse me, and uh, right at the beginning, you know, it's, again, Undertaker and Vader, but Taker almost loses his face this night, so really strange to look and see. It'll actually catch on fire about 12 years later and not be phased, so we'll get to that on here, too. So after this, Undertaker defeats Vader. It's an ugly match, too, man, and uh, I think you had mentioned something that I wanted to say about, like, you know, you mentioned a few weeks ago, too, like how... Stone Cold and Rock get all the credit, but Taker is a very pivotal, like, he's holding these episodes together. His story with Kane is intermingling with the world championship, you know, storyline. Also, the tag team championship storyline. Like, it's all Undertaker. He know? is. He's all over these shows just as much, if not more so, than Stone Cold a lot yeah. of times. So it's, it's kind of cool to see. Uh, they In commentary, they're again, they're putting over this collusion story or they're talking about last week's angle how did undertaker get kane's clothes uh hbk has a line he says (laughs) you know i'm I'm only child travis did that happen with you and paul all the time he beat you up and steal your clothes no, my brother never beat me up and stole my clothes. Oh, okay. He might beat me up and we wrestled, but he never stole my clothes. That's <laughs> not, not a, a that's not a thing. No. That's like a locker room thing. It's not a brother thing. It's weird. So and Sean, you whatever. I don't know what he's talking about. But other than that, I man, he's a gold star. He gets a gold star for me on commentary. He was. He he's puts over Undertaker, says nothing strikes fear into your heart like hearing his music. Um just yeah. really Puts him over strong. They're putting this angle over strong. Um, they put over the King of the Ring match. Still, it's three weeks on Raw after we've seen that match, and they're still talking about it. HBK is just saying that was the greatest thing I've ever seen. It was HBK yeah. Taker and Mankind in Hell in a Cell? Three weeks later, they're still talking about it, and you just don't you don't hear that too much on commentary. No. It's usually on to the next thing, on to the next thing. But right. they are still putting that over, so it's a big deal. And Mankind and Kane are going to go on from this to compete for the tag team titles. Yeah, because, um, yeah, they did. They, If you guys remember, a few weeks ago, they won a random, random Royal Rumble for the number one contender for the tag team championship. Oh, I need to mention, too, at, at the end of this t- uh, Taker and Vader match, um, Kane or Mankind goes to hit Taker but uh, with a chair, but Kane takes it and it hits Vader with it. So again, we got more like, you know, Kane saving Undertaker here. Are they in cahoots and stuff? So that'll come into play later on. Cause like I said, Mankind and Kane face the new age outlaws because again, a month ago they won this random match that's never been mentioned again, but uh, they come out here for it. And uh, DX and the nation getting get some interference here. And that leads to Mankind and Kane winning after I believe um, D'Lo, who's defeated Terry Funk, hits a sky-high move or whatever it's called, lowdown, on uh, on Road Dog and Road Dog eats the pin here. So Mankind and Kane are your new tag team champions. Which means that their match with Undertaker and Austin is going to be for the tag team titles now, fully loaded for that man. Yeah. Event. But it's not over yet. We nope. <laughs> uh, Triple H and DX are really pissed about this. Uh, they end up storming out. 
uh, with this segment with Vince McMahon, uh, telling Vince that he needs to do something about what happened here. Um, and t- this is going to be our first glimpse ever of Triple H trying to boss Vince McMahon around. Which, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Glimpse future into the future, man. Yeah, exactly. This is COO control. Triple H. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I had no idea. In 98, he was the COO still. Uh, well, Vince has Vince call. Yeah, Vince comes out himself, and he calls out Undertaker, brings out Undertaker, yeah. and he's he calls out the most demonic, twisted soul in the history of the WWF. So, <laughs> again, yeah, he he he's pushing Undertaker's button. I know. Here, dude. He, I know. He's not afraid of Taker. It seems like no. it's, it's really interesting dynamic they've got going on. Yeah. Um. So he. Vince McMahon recaps everything that's been going on with The Undertaker, and he just doesn't buy any of it. He's saying, that was yeah. quite the stunt you pulled last week. You might have thought you fooled everybody, but I'm not that easy to fool. Uh, and he, he wants an answer from Undertaker, <laughs> demands an answer uh, from, about what's going on with him, with Kane. Undertaker tells him, you can go to hell. Stone Cold comes <laughs> yeah. out. He says, you know, Again, he's saying he didn't have a problem with Undertaker. Uh, he had the decency to challenge him man to man, face to face. But uh, before they can do that, they got to f- stumble across this roadblock called Mankind and Kane. And he wants to know if they're going to be on, if he's going to be on the same page. If he's going to have to, if he's, if Undertaker's going to team up with Austin, or if Austin's going to be in a three on one situation. And Undertaker tells him, "You can go to hell too." Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he pulls no punches here either. nope he's like all right here you go straight shooting brother just go get, get, go events so yeah i thought that was interesting um yeah and then dx comes out and they demand it they get they kind of interrupt this segment they come out and they demand a tag title rematch later and then triple h like you said asserting his authority here he says you know what here, here's how you figure out if they're in cahoots why don't you make it three referees one in the ring and Austin and Undertaker are the special refs on the outside. So, which again, man, I think it's really cool psychology and really cool storytelling, and it's involving so many people on the roster in one storyline. It's just so cool. Like, I don't know, just yeah, just I could go on for days about how awesome that is. Yeah, I mean, compared to something nowadays, it's so. those four main event guys. You got Vince, you've got all of DX, and you're gonna end up having the Nation all yeah. in on this too. You've got. 10 12 guys all wrapped up yeah. in this it is beautiful storytelling it really is yeah so the main event of the show is going to be a rematch already for the tag titles mankind yeah. Kane versus new age outlaws with three referees stone cold <laughs> and Undertaker on the outside stone cold's got a cooler full of beers as he's officiating which i don't know that's a little, a little skeptical for officiating i don't know if you want to be under the influence but well, <laughs> the athletic commission might not approve of that yeah, it's true. He does have his white baseball jersey on again. So. He does. Getting... <laughs> there's no blood. <laughs> exactly. It's all that merch, man. So Yeah, and during this match, I think Billy Gunn accidentally takes out Mike Kyoto with a stinger splash. He gets you know gets a rep bump. And at this point, Road Dog goes to roll up game with a small package, and Austin slides in to count the pinfall. Because, again, he's one of the three referees here in this match. Whose idea? Well, great idea to have three referees. So, anyway, as he counts, goes to count three, Undertaker pulls him out. So, they have a little stare down, and Kane chokeslams Road Dog. Poor Road Dog. You know, he's eating the oh, pinfall earlier in the night, and he's eating this here. Yeah, Kane chokeslams him and pins him, and Taker slides in to count to three, but Austin pulls him off. So, they face off again, and then Kane attacks Austin. Mankind attacks Undertaker, and they just kind of brawl. It's a pier six brawl. 
and uh, DX and Nation come out, and it's just a like you know Pier Six brawl, like Jr. likes to say, and stunners and choke slams to everyone, everywhere, <laughs> man. Yeah, it's awesome. It is. It's a good ending. It's kind of weird. Doesn't really. I don't know what the storyline we're supposed to be reading into it is with <laughs> just Nation and DX getting clobbered by Austin and Taker, but they stand <clears> tall here. Uh, they're still a powerful force, and uh, I mean, it's just it's just fun at the end of a show to oh, see yeah. a bunch of people taking finishers, man. <laughs> no matter <laughs> yeah. what it means. <laughs> Absolutely, it reminds me of like episodes of Lost. Like you get a bunch of questions but no Ooh. answers. That's kind of what this was, you know, yeah. bunch of questions. Like nothing really was settled here, but like it lets you wanting more next week, you know. I like, and, like that. Said, that's a good description. So you see these guys going at it and just beating everybody up. It's like, well, we didn't really answer anything, but I'm hooked to tune in next week, you know. So. And they set the table for next week. It's the go-home show for Fully Loaded, July 20th, Raw 269. Vince McMahon comes out again, recaps everything that's been going on. It's great storytelling here. <laughs> you know, if you, it, it, That's the thing, man. If you had never seen this before, you could tune in and be filled in on everything just from watching one episode, man. WWF does a great job of doing that. Yeah, you you could listen to episode 48 of Talking Taker, or you could go back and watch this first 10 minutes That's of Raw. All you need, right? <laughs> and Vince, Vince will recap it all for you here. So we're and trying to give our spin on it here, though. But um, yeah, it's great. His word of the day calendar is clearly giving him the word cahoots on this night, too. Because <laughs> oh, yeah. he says oh, it yeah. 27 times in this promo. <laughs> <laughs> There's some things you only hear in wrestling, like sick and tired. Nobody says sick and tired, except for wrestlers. Right. Nobody says cahoots, right. except for wrestlers. There are other things that. Pier six, nobody says that. There's a lot of things that no one ever says about wrestlers. But well, anyway. Vince says he, he's going back to that Undertaker being in Kane's outfit. He says, "Did the Undertaker decide to go down to the Sears Men's Store and say, 'I'll have a Kane suit, please'?" <laughs> so <laughs> now we know <laughs> that was, uh, Vince apparently gets his suits from Sears. Uh, I was going to say, how many suits do you think Vince has from Sears? He's trying to appeal to the working man right there, baby. So he knows his audience. That should have been a Stone Cold line right there. Right. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I thought that was that was great, man. Can I get a cane suit, please? <laughs> oh, awesome. So yeah, are they in cahoots? You know, um, there's a lot of the fans here. I believe this is where the fans are questioning Vince's sexuality. From yeah, quite a bit. Quite a bit. Yeah, and some some risque signs in the audience. Um, yeah, some close ups of risque. I mean, they don't <laughs> yeah. not shy away from these signs about no. uh, what Vince does after hours. <laughs> hey, yo. Yeah. So, um, and so I think Undertaker just comes out here next, and um, uh, basically <clears throat> Taker comes out and Vince says he's disappointed, which I thought was just, just kind of funny to hear him say that. I'm disappointed in you. So he says that Undertaker needs to start showing respect for the proper people, like Vince. Um, he says, are you in cahoots? Again, it's like this, the 10th time. He gets no answer, and he books Taker versus Kane and Mankind in a handicap match tonight. You know, the, I will get my answer. I'm book you against your brother and Mankind. And uh, tells Taker, you know, this time he gets his, his response and says, you know, you can go to hell. And then, of course, he eats a chokeslam from the Undertaker. So, <laughs> I love how vicious and vile he is to, to Undertaker, but Undertaker always gets yes. the last laugh. He doesn't so. back down, man. He's just <laughs> yeah. Vince is this is the he, he's he's forming this Mister McMahon character. He's yeah, really, yeah. He's drunk on power, but he still gets his comeuppance. <laughs> All the time because he's not a wrestler and the guys feel like they can beat him up and destroy him. Uh, yeah. I tell you what though, man, 
Nobody takes a choke slam like Gerald Briscoe. Dude, that guy <laughs> gets up off his feet. He takes an amazing choke slam. Uh, he did tonight. Yeah. And took one. He's taking a few in this ride. So uh, I love watching him take a choke slam. But <laughs> yeah, man, Briscoe, Patterson, and Slaughter take a choke they slam too. It's awesome. It. Yeah, you're right. Briscoe, Briscoe should teach choke slam 101 how to take that. So. <laughs> uh, He's so good. The story of the night is that. After being booked in this handicap match, Undertaker has apparently left the building and is refusing to compete in it. So Vince is going to make Stone Cold compete against Mankind and Kane instead. Uh, that's our main event for the night. And look who comes out in the middle of that match. Well, it's the Undertaker. He returns to the building, steel chair in hand. And again, whose side is he on? Is he in cahoots, in collusion with Kane and Mankind and Paul Bear? Is he going to team up with Austin and be on his side? Undertaker, watch Austin get beat up for a while. And then he gets up into Austin's corner. Like, it's going to be a tag yeah. team match or something. <laughs> yeah, he does. Stands there. And at this point, Paul Bear hits Austin with a shoe, which is <laughs> so good. <laughs> just, oh, golly, man. Why? I love it. I love it. Uh, it's just more brutal than a, than a, I guess. Of course. Why is hitting someone with your shoe on your hand more brutal than hitting him with a shoe that's on oh, your foot? Oh, dude. More impact. <laughs> it's a coal miner's Target it, man. <laughs> they never had a loafer on a pole match? No, they always do that in street fights, though. They'll take off the cowboy boot and hit him over yeah. the head with it. Oh, missed opportunity. Low for on a pole match. Mm. Mm. Uh, well, <laughs> after that, Mankind hits Austin with a chair. Um, Austin gives a stunner to Mankind, but Kane breaks it up. And then we finally see Undertaker come in the ring. He's not sure who to hit with the chair, but he ends up nailing Kane with it. Then Austin gets the chair and ends up nailing Kane with it and then hitting Undertaker with it. So... Austin stands tall to end the show, going into the pay-per-view while Mankind, Kane, and Undertaker are all left laying in the ring. Yeah. Austin just exemplifying his DTA, don't trust anybody attitude, and we're left with a lot of questions going into Fully Loaded. Yeah, just really good stuff, man. Just, again, weaving all this thread of Undertaker into all these storylines. Like I said, now you've got you've got the tag titles and the world title or the WWF championship all in the main event of this pay-per-view, you know, all centered around taker and, and whose side is he on is the story is not whose side is Kane on whose side is mankind on whose side is Austin on it's whose side is taker on, you know, like he is the crux holding this whole storyline together, which again, is just so cool to see him be featured so heavily. Again, I think it gets lost. Like you said, it's always Austin and rock get all the credit for this, but 1998, man, Year of Undertaker <laughs> and Kane so, as well. So. It is good storytelling, but but his, <laughs> my thing is, yeah, it's it's still for a tag match, and yeah, I'm into yeah. it. I buy it. I, I, I mean, I, I buy the storyline, but I'm I'm not buying this pay per view, man. Back no. in the day, <sighs> I'm not excited about it. I, I want to see Austin and Undertaker. I want to see them right. go at it, and I understand that this is building up towards that, and and they're doing a good job of it. But they're probably not getting my money for this show just to see that. Uh, I'm probably going to wait to buy SummerSlam, which I did. <laughs> I did order SummerSlam. Yes. I did not order this one. Yeah. So, yeah, man. Well, there – well, I have a comment in just a second. <laughs> but, yeah, there, was, there were two reasons. <laughs> there were two reasons to buy this to buy this pay-per-view. And they were not Austin or Taker. 
But if you've ever seen this show and you were 12 years old at this time, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's a double main event. The, the, the match that takes place right before this tag team match, the double main event. So anyway. You were, you were very hands-on with this show back in the day. <laughs> oh, I was not. Oh, you were? <laughs> no, that was not me. Jerry Lawler must have been. But anyway, he gets a sneak peek at the beginning here. But yeah, this brings us to Fully Loaded in Your House, July 26, 98, from the Celand Arena in Fresno, California. And I got to say, this crowd is, I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, something's wrong with Fresno this night. I mean, I guess for this main event, I guess based on what they'd seen in the double main event before this with, you know, Sable taking their breath away and making lots of little kids, you know, jaws drop, I guess uh, they were a little bit dead for this main event. There's some certain things they pop for, but um, yeah, this is a weird night. It's basically a three-hour episode of Monday Night Raw. Yeah, because, you know, there's a lot going on. There's... Sure. Uh, a dungeon match where they, yeah, <laughs> they roll out the uh, <laughs> the middle school substitute teacher TVs like they did for the Boiler Room Brawl for the people at home to watch it. Uh, there's that bikini contest that you just talked about. They're throwing so many things at the wall here uh, trying to, to get something over here with this crowd. There's the main event, but there's also there's two really long interview segments in the middle of the show building up to this stuff with Undertaker and... Uh, in the main event um and like yeah it feels like an episode of raw you got a tag team match main event you've got a lot yeah. of interview segments it doesn't feel like it's worth paying 30 dollars for and it's a good show but it's it it's not pay-per-view worthy in my opinion no like i said there's <laughs> there's only two reasons to watch if you were a kid and yeah i guess that's why everybody had to put their money down so um because yeah other than that like, i've never seen this match this was my you and I doing this episode talking together. This was the first time I'd ever seen this match. Have you seen it before? I'm not sure I had. I, I've seen stuff from this pay per view. I've seen the dungeon match, and I yeah, I think I've seen the uh, <laughs> contest. I've seen, I've seen the uh, <laughs> saw that the, the day after for sure. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. I saw the under, I mean Triple H and Rocks thirty minute yeah. match. Uh, really good. That was kind a of a good coming match. out party for them. But yeah, I don't remember ever renting this show, and I'm not sure I've ever seen this main event. Um, so yeah, again, back to what we said at the beginning of the show, WCW, uh, kind of won this month for sure. Uh, but not oh, quite no before. Uh, like we said, there's a couple of interview segments in the middle of the show. They don't really amount to much. Basically, uh, the storyline is that Undertaker <coughs> has not arrived at the show. He doesn't arrive right. until the main event. So there's questioning what's going to go on with him, uh, Paul Bear comes out. The Bear family comes out. Paul Bear gloats, saying, "I knew it! I knew it! I knew it!" Taker does not want to wrestle his brother Kane. He's afraid. He wants to stay in one piece for SummerSlam. He's a coward. Uh, the New Age Outlaws come out and interrupt them and challenge <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> challenge Kane and Mankind to a tag team title rematch on Raw tomorrow night. So we're building up Raw on a pay per view. They're using a pay per view right. to sell Monday Night Raw, which is I, I've never really been a fan of that strategy. Well, as someone who listens to Russo stuff, um, I can say that he's talked about this particular episode and saying that that was just kind of their, they were in the middle of this war. So they want, and to him, the pay-per-views were important, but raw was even more important because he wanted to see those buy rates, you know, or those, those ratings be higher and higher. So he said, I would push everything to Monday Night Raw, you know, watch every, but I wanted everything to be on raw because they would, you know, they broke everything down segment by segment 
back then to see who won that segment, you know, on both channels. So, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of it either. I like pay-per-views to be just here's our giant night of matches. The, the, the stories will be told in the ring, not, you know, not like an episode of Monday Night Raw where it's, I just want the stories told in the ring. But, yeah, here, very different feel for uh, other pay-per-views we've covered. And, again, different match for us because it's a tag match, you know. So, yeah, we got those interview segments and stuff. And later on, I think uh, Vince comes out with the Stooges. <laughs> this one's a little on. bit better. Uh, sure. This man, <laughs> he goes into this big, long explanation of the WWF's uh, uh, policy when it, re- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when it refers to live events and how it is um, that the promoter reserves the right uh, if the card is subject to change. So if someone fails to show up, he can replace them. He pulls out the program that, uh, you know, Randy Turco, our follower on Twitter, he has showed, yeah. shared with us his programs from all these shows, and it looks just like that. I uh, used to get those at the house show with, with all the card on there. The advertisement, as Vincent Mann spells it out on here, <laughs> and says, he points out the fine print on there. So he says he has the right to replace The Undertaker if he does not show up. He introduces us to who the Undertaker's suitable replacement will be, the Brooklyn Brawler, <laughs> coming out on yeah. pay-per-view. And he Dude. comes out, he's all hyped up, man. He's on cloud nine here, man. He's so excited. <laughs> like He may have shoot thought he was getting into this match. Like, you know, like, if not, he's playing it up, dude. He looks like he's so excited to be there. Um Reminds me of like James Ellsworth nowadays. You, the guy yes. is just excited to be on TV, you know, Great like point. a jobber who's just excited to be there. You can tell he doesn't care what he's doing. He's just happy to be on TV. So yeah, Lombardi, true professional, no longer with the company for some godforsaken reason. But um, yeah, really cool to see him. I, I had no idea that that happened on this pay per view. So well, unfortunately, he will not get his pay per view match. Yeah, the Undertaker does arrive. Uh, he comes out last, of course, for this uh, entrance. Kane and Mankind come out first. Um, well, uh, excuse me. He doesn't come out oh. last. Uh, Kane and Mankind no. do come out first. And Undertaker ends up coming out to something different. Comes out to some brand spanking new music. And it's a little bit different. It's not quite the music that is on the WWF Volume 3 CD. It's not quite the music that he uses in the ministry. Uh, he really only used this mix of this music for a few weeks uh, before they kind of change it up into something different. And I don't know if that's why or if it's just because of his character development the past few weeks, but he does not get the reaction that we have been used to over the past mm-hmm. few years. That's all I was saying, man. This crowd, like, I, I don't know, man. It's just weird. Like, at first with the gong, they, they kind of pop, but then once this fake music, like, there's like new, brand new music hits, you know, they don't know what, yeah, what it is. It's but very then, different. Yeah, but even once he comes out, like, he has no cloak on. He's not doing the slow walk. He's just, you know, he's not running to the ring, but he's, you know, at a pretty fast pace for Undertaker, you know, and um, walking with a purpose to the ring, just so intense. But yeah, the crowd is not. Um, really pop as loud as you'd think they would. But I was thinking, you know, commentary mentions that he arrived 20 minutes ago, and I was wondering, like, why didn't they just ask Kevin Kelly to beep him or whatever, like he did back at <laughs> <in> the cemetery <laughs> and page him, whatever. Yeah, so they, they apparently have some sort of connection with each other, man. <laughs> yeah, so, but um, in all seriousness, so Austin comes out next, and I'll say he blows the roof off of Fresno. It wasn't as big a pop as Austin normally get, but here in Fresno that night, he completely, 
comparably, he blows the roof off there. His his pop is unmatched. You know, Austin's just on fire, fired on all cylinders here. So absolutely, and Austin confronts Undertaker, or excuse me, Undertaker comes out and confronts Austin as he's coming out in the middle of the aisleway, and that allows Mankind and Kane to sneak up to attack them. And yeah, like you said, that the, the crowd may not have been super hot all night, and they weren't super hot for Undertaker's <coughs> entrance, but. They get into it. This began the match. Began the match is real hot. Yeah. All four guys are yeah. fighting with each other in the aisleway and on the way into the ring. So they're uh, they're they're into all four of these guys uh, as things get going here. But yeah, Undertaker's only been there for twenty minutes apparently. Jr. is <laughs> saying, you know, how, how could these guys have ever possibly talked about strategy in just twenty minutes for this match? <laughs> as if Undertaker <laughs> and Austin were just going to sit around backstage and. Come up with yeah. some double team moves to take on. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? Hey, Taker, man, we, me and Pillman used to do this stuff in Hollywood Blondes. You want to yeah. try this out? Exactly. So, um, yeah, I thought that was great. Or you know, or thing, uh, maybe Taker could say, "I want to use the heart punch like I used to use back in USWA." There you go. It was. So, there yeah. You go. Anyway, but um, yeah, I thought that was funny. But again, Jr. You know, approaches it like it's a shoot. You know, so I thought that was kind of you know it's hokey, but it's kind of neat here. But um. At the you know, beginning of this match, they're kind of brawling, and um, uh, Austin starts with Mankind. And I just wanted to point something out here. Kane goes up the wrong set of steps. He goes up on the face side of, this, of the uh, the ring. You know, it's, if anyone watches a tag team match, if you haven't ever noticed this, pay attention. The top left corner are the faces. The bottom right corner are the heels. Always, always. That's WWF style. So, Kane... Shame on you for not knowing that. He goes to the wrong <laughs> corner, has to walk down and walk all the way around the ring to the other side. So I just thought that was kind of funny. So, um, but who who is the face and who is the heel? Here? Ooh, mm. maybe that's the end. yeah. Well, see if Undertaker would have done that, it would have been different. Yeah, but, yeah. you're right. Um, <clears throat> but um, Austin's in control. Mankind, get, they kind of go back and forth. And, you know, Mankind gets in control, tags in Kane. Kane's getting some heat on Austin, and then Austin just. Blows back with a Thez press, and that always pops the crowd. Yeah, really, really good. So he tries to go for a stunner, and Kane just bails out the ring and just walks up the ramp like almost like Kevin Owens does nowadays. Like he's just getting like chicken, you know, chicken hill. So um, it's like what you do when Austin, you're playing the the video game and somebody's just destroying you, and you, you just <laughs> yeah. roll out of the ring. Yeah, <laughs> someone has from. yeah, someone has three finishers stored up already at the beginning of the match. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have that. Yeah, you start just, doing doing your taunts on the outside taunts. to build up. <laughs> exactly like that. So, um, yeah. So he, Austin attacks him in the aisleway, and Mankind comes over, and they just kind of uh, both attacking Austin. And he does the old um, Three Stooges spot where he grabs both their heads and clanks them together like a couple coconuts. A I double nine. Always love that. Yeah, yep. exactly. But again, the story being told here is Taker is not helping Austin. He's just he's looking from you know. From his corner, he's not coming down to you know to help him out, and that's kind of the story just being told throughout this match. And I tell you what, King and Jr. do a great job of telling that story too. Sure, Lawler says, "Let me ask you something, Jr. If if I hit you with a chair at the end of this match when the show's over, would you really be excited about coming out and do commentary with me tomorrow night on Raw?" <laughs> and Jr.'s like, "Well, no, sir, no, I probably wouldn't be." And King's like, "Exactly. Why do you think you think Undertaker's excited to get in there and team with Stone Cold?" Um, yeah, and King is really trying to build up all this collusion, conspiracy theory stuff throughout the match, and Jr. is sticking up for Undertaker. He's saying he doesn't believe yeah. it. Undertaker is the conscious of the WWF. 
he would never do something like that. And they're going back and forth with that, building up the story, focusing on that and really helping get it all over. I really appreciated their, their work tonight and, and going further uh, as we go into this. They continue to do a great job playing both sides of that. Oh yeah, they definitely do. They it, it goes so unnoticed, or as twelve year old me didn't notice that kind of stuff, you know. But now I can look back and appreciate it all. Um, this just really, really paints a good picture of the story that's being told. So um, at this point, I think Undertaker finally gets a tag in, and he comes in and he works Kane's arm and gives him the old shoulder blocks, and then hits the old Russian leg sweep that he debuted a few <laughs> few months ago on Monday Night Raw. So. Um, Love that. And then he, he walks over and gives Austin the middle finger. So Austin actually like smiles and pops at it, you know, looks like it's for real. So, oh, yeah. yeah and, and I think JR's like, oh, he loved it. Or maybe King, you know, he loved that. So um, the crowd yeah, was just really it, neat. The crowd was super high. They did, yeah. It. But something interesting happens when that happens is that Kane tags out to Mankind here. And Lawler speculates that you know, Taker take, took a little break right there and he let Kane tag out. He didn't want to fight his brother right there so just all this little subtle stuff going yeah. on in here that the announcers are trying to play off of um and yeah, the the meat of this match uh mankind just continually to me it's just it's, it's painful to watch him in here he takes some ugly bumps one, one from the apron onto a table that doesn't break on the outside yeah. of the announce table. <laughs> yeah. Then Undertaker just gives him a huge back body drop onto the concrete. And, you know, I get, you know, these bumps are nothing compared to what he took a month ago, but he just took some really nasty bumps a month ago. He's not healed up from him. He does right. not look the same. He does not look like the Mick Foley that we've seen for the past couple of years. He's slow. He's limping. He's just looks in pain, man. And, uh, and all these guys are hurt. Undertaker's hurt right now. Austin's still recovering from a staph infection. So, I mean, that's probably why we're getting a tag match here. So, right. you know, these guys don't have to carry the load themselves. But it, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it doesn't add up to a great match watching it back. Oh, yeah. No, I agree. It's not that great a match. But something yeah, that is great is, again, the commentary and just how Kane and Mankind work as a tag team. They're a great tag team. They do the little things a tag team should. They cut off the ring. They make quick tags. Um, and again, commentary keeps putting that over. Um, and at one point here, Mankind tags in and he's in control. And JR says, he says this quote, he says, the four most destructive men in the WWF, the history of the WWF, are in, are in this ring right now. So I don't know. Is he too far off? Is he not too far off? I don't know. I mean, the current roster at this point, those probably are the four most destructive men. But um, history, I don't know. But um, paints a good picture there. It's really cool. Again, putting your four top guys at this point in the ring together is, is a big deal. So Yeah, absolutely. Talking about just what we've seen over the past few months, I, I don't think that's hyperbole for him to say that. Most destructive men. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. a great comment. Moving on here, Paul Baird starts taunting Undertaker, saying some nasty things to him. And Ross reminds us that Mankind's got more victories over Taker than anybody. And like you said, they go to the outside. Um, Kane... Kane forces Austin to tag Taker, like on accident. Like, I don't know if it's an accident or not, but he kind of pushes Austin going to make the hot tag. And he pushes him into Undertaker, which is stupid from a psychologist standpoint. Well, I'll join the fresh guy in. But um, anyway, a man kind of throws a chair in the ring, and Austin just clobbers Kane with it right in the head, man, behind the rest back. Gets a two count. It's a big boot from Kane, and Mankind attacks Austin outside now. 
Um, and throw Kane drops awesome on the guardrail, and uh, it's just getting vicious outside. Yeah, I thought that chair shot was the finish, man. It, it came a little early, but uh, it was a. It, it seemed like a finish. It was a good false finish right there. Uh, like you said, Kane, and, Kane and Mankind have, are functioning as a much stronger actual tag team here. They're doing lots of hot, ta- quick tags, working in the corner, uh, and they're built. You know, it, it's hard to have a really bad tag team match if you're working a good that tag team formula. It gets the crowd sure. into it. All the time, like I said, you know, I don't think all four guys are functioning at their best, but you know, you still you still get into it uh, as mankind works the chin lock. Austin fights out of it. They do the double knockdown spot, uh, going for the hot tag, in which Kane gets the tag from mankind, but Undertaker refuses to stick his hand out for Austin's right. tag. And Jerry Lawler screaming collusion, collusion <laughs> out there. <laughs> um, they do the spot where. Austin's being double teamed and Undertaker comes in to stop it, but the referee gets distracted with Undertaker. So Austin gets double teamed some more, which again, building into all this conspiracy, maybe he's doing this on purpose to let right. Austin get beat up some more. Who knows what's actually going on here? Um, but we, uh, things really get going as Kane gets a choke slam on Austin. He goes for a tombstone, but Austin fights out of it and gets a stunner. Uh, but before he can pin, Kane, Mankind runs in, breaks it up, gets the manable claw on Kane, but Austin turns that into a uh, into the stunner. So everyone is down in the ring except for Undertaker, who's just watching all this go down in the corner. He has not run in to save Austin at all. He's just been sitting there watching this all go down. So, yeah. Yeah, JR says Taker is unwavering, which I thought was a good move. Like he's, he's not changing his... Um... You know, his facials or anything, he's just kind of looking on, like, you know, just from afar. He's very stoic. And um, at this point, yeah, like I said, everybody is down in the ring. Kane sits up, and he prevents the tag here to Undertaker. Um, Undertaker doesn't reach out again here at this point, and then the crowd's kind of, like, booing. And then finally, finally, he reaches his hand out, gets a dead tag from Austin, comes in like a house of fire, lighting up both heels, just perfect babyface comeback here. Does a mule kick, low blow to mankind, like taking a page out of Ric Flair's book, man. Behind the ref's back, mule kicks him low, choke slams Kane and mankind uh, separately, but the choke slams them both. Then hits a tombstone on Kane, and as he hits that tombstone, Austin comes in, clotheslines mankind, and Taker pins Kane with his classic, you know, pin in 18 minutes and eight seconds, and they become the WWF Tag Team Champions uh, for the first time in Taker's career. Yeah, this is the first time we've seen him win any belt besides the WWF Championship. He will go on to win a couple other tag team titles, but this is the first one here. Uh, (laughs) JR is screaming. He's going crazy. He's saying, there ain't no conspiracy. There ain't no Ah, conspiracy. Uh, Just excited uh, calling this. Um, And something interesting happened, though. Uh, JR may be sure that there's no conspiracy, but something to point out here that's going to play a part in this in the weeks to come is that Undertaker hits just one tombstone to pin Kane. And as we remember from WrestleMania, how many tombstones did it take to pin Kane there that night? 
One, two, three. Took three and just barely yeah. was able to pin him there. And here he just gets one. So we'll ah. talk about that next week on next week's episode, but it's an interesting <clears throat> point. And something else interesting is that Undertaker walks away with both of the tag team titles. He's the tag team champions. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's where Kane gets it from later. But yeah, it is interesting. He takes them both and walks away. And Austin's kind of jaw jacking at him. You don't know what he's saying, but he's you know basically saying, "Bring my, bring my title." You know. Uh, but um, yeah, um, yeah, that's the match, man. It's nothing special. Feels like a Raw house show or an episode of Raw or something. But it's fun. I mean, it's fun in history to go back and watch it. The build up was more fun than the match was. So yeah, it's. It's okay. I, it's it's not bad by any means. No. Again, I think all four guys, or at least three of these four guys, are the walking wounded. They've been <laughs> and they've been running hard, so their bodies are a little bit broken down. They do what they can. I just I wouldn't feel like I got my money's worth probably if I ordered this on pay per view back then. It's fine going back and watching it now. It's not something you need to go back and watch. Uh, it's not one of the best matches we've covered here, but. You know, it's not one of the worst either. It's just, it's just right. kind of there. But uh, it, it does play a huge role in what's coming next. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I can't wait to get to that kind of stuff because this, um, I'm, I'm excited to talk about the next match we have coming up. So yeah, yeah. a lot we're, of cool stuff to talk about. We're gonna take a turn onto the highway to hell as we cover SummerSlam 1998, Undertaker main eventing for the WWF Championship against Stone Cold Steve Austin. One of the most memorable matches of the Attitude Era. One of the most memorable build-ups that we're going to talk about as well. So we hope you'll join us on next week's Talking Taker. Uh, you can subscribe on all the great podcasts and services out there, whichever one you listen to. Subscribe if you don't mind. Give us a review. Rate us five stars. Let us know what you think. Uh, spread the word to anybody out there. Follow us on social media, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Talking Taker. You can follow me at Alex Dorio as well. You cannot follow Twitterless Travis, but... Don't follow me anywhere. <laughs> please. <laughs> he will call police. Um, <laughs> follow me. Everything is all right. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> I'll be the one. What's that song? Who's saying that? Uncle Cracker. Sorry. Yeah. Former <laughs> WWF theme song superstar. <laughs> he Uncle was. Cracker. Yeah, we'll go Xbox. <laughs> and let us know your memories of Fully Loaded 98 uh, being all hands on deck for the uh, stable <laughs> bikini contest all hands on deck again let me reiterate that um, <laughs> move on <laughs> go ahead take, a, take us home oh man I got nothing else to say if you were there if you were in Fresno first of all what's up with that because what happened with the crowd that night they passed out quaaludes beforehand I don't know what happened but anyway um, if you were there let us know please a fun ride let us know what happened um yeah how you guys felt about this match um and other than that ladies and gentlemen take her easy we've been joined here at ringside with our special guest jason sensation king right and you know i understand that the nation art is upset but they just need to lighten up because that's what that had to be some of the funniest stuff that i've ever seen thank jason. you very much one, one more time can you give me a little more owen hart enough is enough and it's time for a change <laughs> Woo!
Can you do The Undertaker? Kane, I will bury you. Rest in peace. <laughs>